For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fake to him, Whitlow, rolling right on a keeper, up across the 15, cuts left at the 20, on some room at the 30, headed to the near sideline, one man to beat, makes the move at midfield, coming to the near side at the 30, he's at the 20, he's at the 10, 5, touchdown Kentucky! With that, we're in here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky, I'm trying to get a little smoother with all that. That's the intro of this show now, man. Jalen Whitlow, slicing through Alabama State. With the voice, Tom Leach on the call. Jalen Whitlow, Aaron Gershon, Benny Hardy. Jalen Whitlow, former UK quarterback, Aaron Gershon. The cat's paused with his thing. Just came from Pro Day. That's how you know this man knows how to handle the beat. It's juggle time, football and basketball. Did both today, man. On it. All three. Trifecta. uh, Football practice, basketball, Pro Day podcast we got it all going Ooh-wee. unbelievable y'all check out aaron's content at the cat's pause jay witt from uk qb coaching up youngsters helping them hone the qb craft how's everybody doing good man all right yeah doing um, better than uh better than the folks who have to watch tape this week uh over at the craft center football building but i'm doing all right good stuff good stuff yeah things got Ugly in a hurry, uh, and look with Georgia's Georgia, but I don't, I don't. It's safe to say I don't think any of us saw that coming. No, I think we all at least thought they'd kind of cover that fourteen point spread and keep it interesting. I, I think I put twenty seven seventeen and all the prediction stuff I had to write, so uh, I didn't foresee that. But I think I think it was a combination of two things to kind of simply put it. Uh, Kentucky hurt itself early when they had chances in Georgia territory. The unsportsmanlike penalty on Jagger Burton, a holding on Jagger Burton, the Devin Leary just completely missing Tavion Robinson on what probably would have been a touchdown. Um, just can't have missed opportunities against the best team in the country. Um, and then the other thing, of course, is you got to just tip your cap <laughs> to the boys down there uh, in Athens. They played their best game of the season yet. They showed why they're the two-time defending champions. They probably had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, knowing that people are giving us crap for starting slow and we're not the same team, blah, blah, blah. And they shut everyone up. And I think I said it last week. The one thing I didn't understand with Georgia and people kind of saying, oh, they're down because of this is Carson Beck. People were like, oh, he's not Seston Bennett. Well, 
let me tell you, Carson Beck was the four-star recruit. Seston Bennett's the former walk-on. It was a great story. Carson Bennett's been, uh, excuse me, Carson Beck has been sitting back and watching Seston Bennett the last three years and learning from Seston Bennett and getting better every year. And now he's getting his opportunity. Uh, and he's been, he had a 73% completion rate with only two picks going into this game. Uh, he threw a pick, but every other throw he made was basically uh, perfect, and he played out of his mind. Kentucky's defense, obviously, I think made it a little easier than it needed to be, but still, I mean, he played a heck of a game. He's a heck of a quarterback, and uh, that's a Georgia team that I expect to uh, probably be hoisting another national championship trophy in the next few months here. Yeah, um, everything he said. <laughs> no. I think uh, – yeah. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. But as I was watching the game, I was I was thoroughly uh, kind of dis- – because, I mean, I had Kentucky, you know, competing and, you know, potentially having the chance to win it at the end. Obviously, that was not the case from the kickoff. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just think, you know, they got outclassed in every facet, um, you know, out physical. It just looked like it almost looked too easy early on uh, on Kentucky's defense, which is yeah, it's weird to say, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but they were hitting on all cylinders, man. And you got, you got to uh, kind of tip your cat to them because I mean, that's a championship team and they showed it again. Uh, like I said, I'd be shocked if they, I'd be shocked if they didn't win this year because yeah. I only think that they will get better with the injuries that they have. Carson Beck continue to get experience, the offense, new coordinator continue to, you know, gain traction. Um, defense continue to mesh. You know, I just I think their best football is ahead of them. You know, to be honest with you, I mean they still Kentucky's offense moved the ball early. I mean they were in Kentucky. Uh, excuse me, they were in Georgia territory uh, the first three drives of the game. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to go through the plays that hurt them, but they even scored a touchdown early. And I thought Ray Davis early uh, had a couple of really good runs, and it wasn't like you know defensively Georgia was the 2021 defense with 85 starters uh 85 NFL players like it was just they were able to move the ball but then you're able you're playing from behind Devin Leary's going through struggles and it made things impossible to even compete and again I think I I really at the end of the day I'm not too worried about this defense I think you got to give a lot of credit to Georgia there Kentucky didn't have their best game. You you know you trust that the first five games tell a better story than the one against Georgia. But the the, the worry is in the passing game with the offense. I think that's the takeaway you have from that if you're going to be worried about prolonged issues because I think there's too much talent on this defense to have that happen many times again, if at all again. Um, I'm not too worried about them. But man, the passing game. There were throws that if you make them. It's at least a ball game, and there are some catches. Tavian Robinson dropped that, especially the one early, where again it could be a ball game. And even with all that said, man, uh, you get it to twenty-one to seven uh, with the Caddis touchdown, and if you get one stop and score again before halftime, you're, it's 21-14, and at least you're you're showing up and looking uh, to compete. And uh, Kentucky could not get that stop, and things you know fell off the rails late in the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stoops has you know, and you saw it on the broadcast. Uh, after Leary's missed, you saw him talking to him. He, he said it in the post game. Said he doesn't do it often. Did he say ever say anything to you coming off the sidelines? <laughs> I was, was dying to hear this from him. <laughs> <laughs> ever? 
Ever say <laughs> just throw it? Or any he'd any catch? You'd had a lot of reasons to. <laughs> but no, I, you know, I don't, I don't. The crazy thing is, that's why you remember I, I sent the text in the group on, on Saturday because, as bad as it was, you know, back in 2013, man, um, he hardly ever said anything to me that way, like that. Um, you know, I could tell he really wanted this one. This would have been, even if they, you know, I, there's no moral victories, but even if they lose the game by three points or six points. Even do what they did last year. Yeah, you kind of, you you know that your program is moving in the right direction. This was a, a, a program defining loss to the fact that, yes, you've come a long way, but you still have a really long way to go, um, you know, to, to get to that point. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I'm sure he has said some, some things to me. We, like I said, we had a lot of reasons to get uh, talked to on the sideline. <laughs> but I, I, I don't remember him pulling me, you know, like that, um, you know, during the game. I, I don't I don't remember that. So um, when I saw it, I was shocked because he typically don't do that. Uh, yeah. He he has a good feel for uh, when and when not to say things and who to say things to. Mm -hmm. He has a real good feel for that type of stuff. A lot of coaches don't have that natural feel. He has it, uh, you know, and he know, knows – uh, kind of what to say and who to say it to at the right time. So um, that was shocking. You know, I, I was – and I, I remember watching the people I was watching the game with, I I spoke to him about that. I was like, man, that's – for him to do that, that's a telltale sign that, you know, he's fed up with something or he really, he really, really, really wanted that game, which he should. Sure. Like I said, you can – you know, you mess around and win that game. I mean, you, you are in a new stratosphere, uh, you know, in, in college football. So – uh, you know, he feel like it's a missed opportunity. Um, he feel like this is this w w should have been the year that they had a real opportunity to compete uh, and potentially win a game, which everybody thought so, though. You know, yeah. everybody thought the same At thing. At least a I, shot, man. At yeah. least a shot. I was bragging to people saying, hey, you better watch that Kentucky-Georgia game tonight. You <laughs> know, I was, I was kind of, you know, with, with our coaches and people that I work with and whatnot, and uh, I was I was I was actually shocked to see what happened. I was I really was, but you know it, it, it kind of you know you play like that, you make mistakes. The st mistakes that they made, you know, just you know the missed throw is one thing, but Jagger Burden, you know, oh. get, like I mean, call it what it is. That's egregious. Uh, you know, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, you know, so those are losing plays. That's losing football. Is what that is. Um, you know. Yeah. The drops continue to – the drops are losing football. It's hard to get the ball to a guy. And when you get the ball to a guy and he's open and the ball hits both his hands and he drops the ball against a team like that, you know, you don't have – as a player, you know, I'm sure they went to the side and was like, we don't have much chance to win this game right. uh, when, when, when those things happen. And the score showed it, man, because it, it got out of hand real fast when you're playing in that stadium at night uh, against oh. that type of talent. You know, it can it can it can really look bad if you're not making plays on third down and making crucial plays, and if you're getting penalties and you know you're turning the ball over, uh, it's not it's not going to work out for you. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and we said it last week that the leg the most legitimate chance in a long time to go down there, and and we saw sixteen to six in Lexington last year with a Kentucky team that. 
wasn't as good as this one. We we no. saw 30 to 13 two years ago. We saw 14 to 3 a couple years ago. We saw them year by year go toe-to-toe with Georgia, prove that they could. We also said that you know, we know Georgia started off slow against South Carolina, 14 to 3. Barely got out of Auburn alive. 17-17 in the first quarter was their yeah. score. It's a rivalry game. Throw the records out. Auburn's going to be fired up, and so Auburn's going to play above their heads. We saw that. We also said last week that we know that Georgia knows that Georgia's been sluggish. We know <laughs> yeah. that Georgia knows that they're going to be trying to address it. Kirby's been on those guys to get out of the gates to start quick. We we knew that that was possible as well. Sure. And, you know, Kentucky just just weather the storm or take that punch when the champion shows up and they weren't able to do it. And Georgia just said, not today. Kentucky just happened to be next, and that's who yeah. they took it out on. But Georgia was like, hey, not today, y'all, and, and we felt the wrath. Yeah, and that's why I'm not – I'm not excusing this game by any means. The performance no, was an ex- right, but I am not putting too much stock in it for where where I think this means Kentucky season is going to go. I think mm-hmm. I know in my record prediction, and we all went through it on this podcast. I think I think all of us said five and one, if I'm not mistaken. I think we all said at this point they'd be five and one, and the loss would be Georgia. And I, if I would go through the rest of my colleagues on the beat, fans, I feel like it's kind of a consensus. Like five and one, maybe the the pessimistic fan said four and two with the loss to Florida. Maybe the crazy like, oh my god, this team's good, winning it all had six and zero. But for the most part, five and one was the consensus prediction. And I think that you're still, you know, obviously you're not gonna probably win the SEC East. That stinks. But your big goals of maybe getting to a New Year's Six game, they're still out there. Your chance of another 10-win season, it's still out there. Like, there's still a lot to play for. Uh, You still have Missouri at home. You have Tennessee at home. You you have another opportunity. I'm not predicting them to win. uh, But another big marquee game uh, opportunity at home on senior day against Bama, like, there's – a chance to get revenge on South Carolina, Tennessee. I mean, there's a lot to play for still on this schedule. And I still think this team defensively is deeper than it has been maybe in the whole Stoops era. I still think um, at least offensively, there's a lot to be desired. I think the running game is, is very solid and they're going to be able to run the football. And I think Kenneth Horsey is going to be back this week, uh, which is huge. And it also not to continue to pile up on him, but it gets Jagger Burton out of the lineup and lets him kind of, Kind of work on his game off this off on the on the practice field and earn his way back into into the rotation here. So um, I still think there's a lot of good things that could happen to this team, but they're going to have to prove uh, they can get off the mat because one thing that has been an Achilles' heel is Stoops has tried to get this thing uh, to the next level is they've struggled after losses. I mean, last year they let the one turn into two uh, when they fell to Ole Miss, then they come home they lose to South Carolina. You did have the Levis injury, but still. Probably could have won that game. And then two years ago, uh, you have that game in Athens and they lose three in a row. They lose down in Starkville and they lose to uh, Tennessee. So you can't let one turn into two. Uh, you got to turn the page because if you go into the bye week six and one, you got to feel pretty damn good about yourself. You're already bowl eligible and you're taking a break already. Like, that, I mean, there's still a lot of good that could happen out of this season. But uh, that was just a reminder, man, that like as much progress as Kentucky made, uh, Georgia is – 
as Mark Stoops said today, they're Mount Everest. You know, you can get over humps, but getting over Mount Everest uh, is going to take a lot. So I think you got to give a lot of credit to to the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, you do. And you for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I want to see, you know, lights on you, big stage at Georgia. Ugh. Yeah. Last, last year at Tennessee, 44-6, lose that by 38 also, night game, prime time. Um, so you want to see them a better showing when you have quote unquote, every game's a big game, but when you have the big game kind of on that stage, you want to see a better showing than what we've seen, you know, the 30 to 13 loss to Georgia was, you know, people came away with that. That was a good showing. Levis stood in there, right? you know, you, you had, you could walk away, you know, at least proud that you, you, you gave it all and you fought and you battled and you didn't get blown off the field. You know, Tennessee last year down there at Georgia this past Saturday, and it's, it's just when it gets away from you and just right. snowballs, that's kind of deflating, you know, from, you know, as a program, you know, of course the fans are going to be disgruntled, but that's that's a kick in the gut to all the players and coaches and everybody that's, that's real close to the program. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think the first thing, you know, when that happened, the first thing that coaches think about when they get off the field is, we were on a national stage and yeah. recruits saw us get beat. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just not good for recruiting. Um, it's not good for, you know, the brand, you know, at the end of the day, because you're doing everything to give the brand the opportunity to play on that stage, which that used to not be the case. Now you get on those stages and you've earned the right to be on those stages, but you don't, you, now the next step is to perform on those stages. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the next step. So, you know, that's the biggest thing. The brand takes a hit in the sense of recruiting. You got kids watching the games, you know, and it just don't look good. Uh, when, you know, when you're getting blown out uh, on, on on national TV, on primetime national TV at that. So yeah. uh, that that's the hit. However, uh, I do think this team is still really good. I do think this team still has, a, like I said, a lot to play for. You can still get some payback big payback with South Carolina. You can go James Brown on Tennessee, get some big payback. Uh, get some I mean, freaking momentum in that series. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can, you can really, you can really kind of, which I think they will beat Tennessee this year. I really believe that at home. I don't best, think, this is I'm talking about best opportunity. This is yeah. it again. Yeah. I don't think Tennessee. Now I do think this game Saturday, I know we'll get to it, but I think this game is, 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 is going to be a good one? I do think Missouri, Missouri, Missouri can play some offense, man. Defense not bad either. Uh, you know, run defense, defense. Yeah, yeah. Not defense, the secondary. <laughs> yeah, defense. Defense can play. Uh, I love what they do. I love what they do uh, on offense. The quarterback's playing really well. They have some weapons at receiver. I don't know how Missouri gets them, but they always have. Yeah, they do. One or two guys at receiver that can play. Um, so I, I think this is going to be interesting. I do think Kentucky 
has the upper hand. I do think Kentucky's the better team. I think Kentucky got the home field advantage. Um, but I do think Missouri is also a program that's fighting, scratching, and clawing to get some relevance as well. And they uh, hate UK. Yeah, it, it, it has become <laughs> – it has become even you know it, I, you kind of got a sense of that even when I was at Kentucky it was like it always felt like Missouri game was like a rivalry for whatever reason yeah and I don't know why but it always felt like this game was like I don't know like it was bigger than the others not, obviously not Tennessee and Louisville but yeah. it felt like you know the Missouri game was always big yeah and we're gonna talk about. Uh, Missouri here a little bit with uh, uh, some fellow Believe Podcast Network hosts. Uh, they cover Missouri. The podcast is called The Unwritten Rule. Follow them on Twitter at Believe Unwritten, B-L-E-A-V Unwritten. We got Kenny Van Doren backstage right now. Going to bring him on. They talk all things Mizzou. We were just getting to that right now, so we'll just keep the conversation going. And welcome, Kenny, in. Kenny, man, welcome to Believe in Kentucky. We got Jack Nolson coming in as well. Both of you guys are two-thirds of the unwritten rule, so we appreciate y'all taking time to hop on here and talk a little UK Mizzou. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Yeah, doing well. Feels like we just talked to you a few minutes ago. So <laughs> yeah. I remember what we did, so it's good to talk to you again. Ready to, ready to, ready to rehash it out. Yeah, yeah, and we got we got Aaron Gershon who covers Kentucky for the Cats Paws, Jalen Whitlow from UK quarterback who was just talking about how the vibe was when he was playing Mizzou just a few short years ago. We talked about that when I was on y'all's podcast about the rivalry and from y'all's perspective. So, man, Jalen, just talk about what you were what you were just getting ready to say before the fellas came on. Yeah, you know what I was saying. It always felt like you know, and it wasn't. I don't know if rivalry, rivalry was, was the word, but obviously you got Tennessee and Louisville, uh, big rivals. But it always felt, felt like Mizzou was like the game always felt super intense and important. And it always felt – I felt a lot of tension between the two uh, teams. I don't know why. You know, it was weird because Mizzou was new to the league. Um, you know, Mizzou was new to the SEC, but it always – whenever we played – Mizzou, man, it always, uh, it was always a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of tension. I, I never forget what 2012, I mean, pregame, I think, you know, we had some guys, you're ready to throw blows out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll never forget that. I, I was like, man, this, is this a rivalry game? Is this something I don't know about? Uh, but it always felt, felt like that. And, you know, I don't know why it is, man. But well, that was the uh, first SEC game between you guys because that was yeah, their first yeah. year in the conference. Wow. Yep. It was, yep. 22 it was the first year, I think. Who was the quarterback? Um, oh, was okay. I, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. It would have been. It, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get it right now for yeah, you. Yeah. We, we can research. <laughs> He's quick, man. Yeah. yeah it was he, Franklin. Yeah. Yeah. He was Franklin. Franklin yeah. was quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they went huh? the next year. We well, this is Colin, Colin Burke stressor was the starter against the all. Oh, that's but, right. That is okay. right. That is right. That's right. Um, because yep. yeah, he, Frank- he did not do anything. He was 10 for 18 with two picks and 71 yards. That's 2012. That's 2012. Yeah, because yeah. you, you started. Did you yeah, start Frank- or just lead him in passing? Yeah, you started. Yeah, uh, the next year I think it was Franklin. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, he played in that game, Franklin. He just didn't start. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just always, you know, always felt like that. It was always cold outside when we played them. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, oh, man. We, always played, we always played them at noon. Um, you know, it just – it always felt like some tension. Now, obviously, after after that, you go 20 – was it 2015, 2016, 2017? Um, you had a couple tight games in there. Um, you know, yeah. what, what game was it, a 2018 Kentucky one? That was the CJ – so 2018 was the CJ Conrad game. Yeah, yeah. The, un, the one on the mm-hmm. on-time down. And then last year was the Colin Goodfellow punt. Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. The like, 2018, I thought, took the game to another level. Yeah, well, that's exactly what – um. Martez Manuel told me at SEC Media Days last year it was kind of what sparked the hit because he was on his official visit that day, and that's what led to that big old quote about hitting the blue and white and kind of because I, I didn't think anything of it being a rivalry until he said any of that. And then the Kentucky guys, I kind of went back. To, I was talking with, with one of the players just off the record, and he was like, I, I couldn't believe you said that. Like, we don't feel any of that. So, But when you're in Missouri's place, I understand it because there have been a lot of close games. Uh, there's been some controversial calls, and uh, you know Missouri's unfortunately for that side has been on the wrong side of them. So let's get y'all's perspective on on that side of things, y'all side of the ledger, and you know. Yeah, it yeah, it's I mean it's it's kind of how you guys like both perfectly described is it, it's like it's almost weird because obviously it isn't a traditional rivalry like Vinny was saying, you know, some of Kentucky's rivals when he came on our show, but it's just, yeah, it's like a weird animosity that I feel like the losing team always feels a bit more. And that has been Mizzou for sure. Uh, in, in recent seasons and like, yeah, there's just been some, some excruciating games, um, on both sides. And like, that just, that just adds fuel to it. And so like, I think we, at least on our show, like kind of embrace it. It makes the Kentucky game, like have a lot more meaning, even when these teams aren't ranked or close to ranked like they both are this year so there's even higher stakes this time around but yeah it just it's like there's a tension there's a weird tension there that you know the players feel and you know obviously in the end everyone wants to win so like it, it's just a it's just a fun like just weird mix that happens you know whether it's at Kroger Field or, or in Memorial Stadium it's just like a fun a fun blend um to watch and weird stuff always always happens and I have expectation that something strange will happen whether it's more disconcerting signals uh, yeah. i don't know i think it's supposed to rain too so there you go oh, there you go yeah <laughs> uh yeah aaron I'm, I'm glad you brought up the the martez manual quote even last year when i was covering the football team like he was like okay give me a second i want to get into this and he like went on he was like a five-minute <laughs> yeah. answer about how he doesn't like kentucky and other guys isaiah mcguire who's <laughs> on the nfl we're talking yeah about that's right Vinny. he was the other guy that was there darius robinson who's still with the team one of the uh, defensive ends now i talked he to him at media day this year yeah Exactly. So there's, there's still guys there that were at when DeMarcus Acey was called for the defensive pass interference. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, this is kind of BS to us, but maybe they saw something that you know, no one else did. But um, it feels like Mizzou and Kentucky have been kind of like those middle of the road teams in the SEC as well, kind of more on an even playing field. And that's why there's been a lot closer games. A game that just slips my mind is that 2020 game. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was on like Halloween um, well, in Columbia. Year, yeah. It was a COVID yeah. season. Well, that one kind of just slips my mind. Mizzou won that 20 to 10, but um, you can expect some tight games with both these programs. Um, We talked about on our show, it's like the the flip of, you know, coming into the year, Kentucky's offense looked like a threat with so many of these transfers, Ray Davis in that backfield. It looks like their defense is a little bit better. On the flip side, Mizzou coming in this year, the defense was the talk of the town. The offense looks unstoppable um, compared to what it was last season. So it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight one like everyone else is thinking. Absolutely. So y'all got Mizzou questions, AG, Jalen, y'all far away and 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is obviously the quarterback, Brady Cook, has played really well last year. Or this year, excuse me. He did not play very well last year. He obviously, you know, he comes into week, what, what was it, week three, and he's getting booed in introductions. What do you think has kind of been the biggest thing that's clicked for him? Because when I saw him, you know, when I covered the game at Mizzou last year, I thought from a mobility perspective, he did some good things, but the, the arm talent, and it just seems like some things were lacking, but he, he's put it together this year. It's a combination to me of health and just maturity. Uh, last season, he played through a shoulder injury that not many people knew uh-huh. about until the end of the year. Got hurt in that Kansas State game and was just playing through a torn labrum. Got the, he had the surgery in the offseason. Coming into his second year as a starting quarterback in the SEC, it's just he's confident. He's a different guy on the field. He's a leader this year. He was voted a captain the last two seasons, but he's got, he gets on his guys. He's more vocal this year. You're seeing the arm just explode. And I think one of the big things is that Drinkwitz handed off the play calling. Kirby Moore right. coming over from Fresno State as the OC. It was a lot on Drinkwitz being the quarterback's coach from the OC to the head coach. It was a lot he was trying to balance with Bush Handham going to Boise State. Um, kind of opened a, an opportunity there. And, you know, he saw it. You know, I need to get an OC in here. They're really using everything right. Um, I mean, with Theo Weiss also in that offense now, yep. him and Luther Burden, they are really controlling the uh, the air game for Brady Cook. Uh, interesting enough for Brady Cook, his legs were like his big thing last year. Um, this year he's kind of battling a knee injury that he suffered mm-hmm. against Memphis. Um, he's getting a little bit more into that. But something to always look out for is that with Brady Cook, Drinkwitz's offense, Kirby Moore's offense, asks for the quarterback to get two first downs with his legs. And with Brady Cook getting a little bit more mobility, getting you know his knee back better, maybe we could see him break out a couple more runs. Yeah, I mean, Kenny, Kenny hit on all the points. That the main thing I've noticed definitely is is scheme. Um, I mean, this offense just looks, you know, it, it's night and day from what yeah. it was last season. I don't think that can, you know, can really get you can't go unnoticed. And yes, it helps a lot that Brady Cook has the weapons that he's got, especially in a guy like Luther Burden. Um, but yeah, he, he's just a winner. I mean, like he said it himself, you know, he heard the booze before that Kansas State game. He acknowledged him. It's been his dream. He grew up in St. Louis. All he wanted to do was play quarterback for Mizzou. And, you know, he wants the fans behind him. And they've they've gotten behind him, you know, whether whether they wanted to or not. Yeah, he's forced hard not to. Just because, <laughs> yeah, just because of what he's done. So, yeah, I, a lot of it is scheme. But yeah, like like what Kenny said, he's he's just a fighter. He's a winner. He's clearly a guy. All these you know, all these other players want to play for. So um, yeah, it's just been it's been huge to see him have this turnaround this year. What's been you know the defense was the talk of the town initially. What's kind of been the chink in the armor that's you know made it not be up to the hype that it was getting initially. It's a couple of things. Uh, you look at the defensive end position with McGuire graduating and going into the NFL, Coleman running out of eligibility. These were two solid guys who had been around for a while. I know Coleman did transfer into the SEC. It was only his first year with Mizzou. He looked good. Trey John Jeffcoat left for Arkansas. A lot of holes opened up there. They moved Darius Robinson out to his natural position at defensive end. He's battled some injuries with the calf, uh, the calf issue. Um, so maybe just some trying to get used to that, those defensive end positions being a little better. We haven't really seen much from the defensive tackles. This was like a, a position group coming in, one of the more loaded ones in the SEC. Um, Christian Williams uh, transferring from Oregon, Jaden Jernigan from Oklahoma State. There were some you know big names, and we just haven't really seen them put much pressure. Another guy, Josh Landry, coming from Baylor, who had a couple plays here and there, but you're just not seeing a lot of pressure up front. Um, linebacker position. Tyron Hopper, who came from Florida, looked 
unworldly last year. He looked yeah, amazing. He's, he's missing. He's missing tackles. I, I don't know the actual <laughs> missed tackle rate, but it's he's up there with some of the most missed tackles in the SEC. Another thing that just really sticks out to me right now is the safety play. It's yeah, all the numbers it, on that. Joseph Charleston last season was just a gym rat. He was watching film, just he was doing everything he could. And he was he was a captain out there without the captain's patch. Everyone listened to him. And with Martez Manuel gone, uh, Dalen Carnell steps into that star position, more of the hybrid corner um, safety look. And he's he's had some issues as well. He had a DPI against LSU. He missed an open sack that he could have had as well. It's just a couple of things there. And there's just the safety room as well was another one loaded with some talent and some experience and it's just they're just getting exposed yeah i mean this this defense gave up you know 130 plus rushing yards to two players on lsu last week i know Jaden daniels is Jaden daniels but you know the run defense is definitely a a real concern like kenny said with that defensive line and yet tyron hopper like for all the good he gives you, you know, our, our third co-host Peyton likes to just call him the king of missed tackles every week because there, <laughs> there is play after play. You can go back and watch where he'll have either a sack or a run will go for maybe two yards that then gets broken open. Cause he just, he just glides right by him. Um, and yeah, a couple big plays too at the secondary. It's been, it's been a little bit strange. Um, luckily Chris Abrams drain has been maintained like his good, his good form. He had three picks in three games leading up to LSU. So um, you know, they've had Rake Straw's still been pretty good at corner as well. But yeah, there's definitely some some miscues we weren't really expecting for sure. Yeah, and Rake Straw's out this week. <clears throat> who, who are the yeah. guys who are going to be filling in there? And just to give context to what you're saying, because yeah. the safety stuff is exactly what I saw. 33 per uh, pro football focus, 33 crashes on 42 targets given up by those safeties for 385 yards, seven touchdowns. And what stood out to me, uh, which is hard to believe, is no pass breakups or interceptions. So, yeah, I see why there's been some issues there. Those are the numbers. I always, I always find it interesting when when a team, when you have an offense that passed the ball extremely well. Right. On right. that same team, their defense doesn't defend the pass very well. Uh, yep. Typically, you see the opposite. Like, you'll, you know, you'll see like a, a Lincoln-Raleigh team or like one of the old Mike Leach teams where, you know, they can defend the pass but they have trouble defending the run because they see, you know, so many different variations of pass game every day in practice. Uh, so I always find that interesting, but I always like uh, Drake's um, offense, man. I think his offense is very versatile, very, you know, um, diverse in scheme, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, there's a lot of eye candy. So he predict, he produces a lot of eye violations for the defense. Um, you know, just very, you know, wide open, you know, as a quarterback, I like to see it because I think he creates a lot of open, wide open throws for his quarterback. They do a good job of scheming teams um, and getting guys open. So I'm anxious to see how that looks against Kentucky. I don't, you know, I think Kentucky's going to come with a, a certain level of intensity this week, obviously after what happened last week. However, I do think Missouri, Missouri's offense is extremely well coached. They're extremely uh, talented. At quarterback, I think that you know Luther Burden is probably you know, I mean, definitely he's top ten receivers the right now. Is number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah, as far as production, he's definitely number one. Yeah. But I, I definitely think he's just t- talent wise, he's one of the best receivers in the country, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, so I think you know it'll be a good matchup, man, because I I do think Missouri's a really good team. There's probably you know at least the, the one game that I watched of them, uh, on, and that was the LSU game on offense. They look 
you know, they look like one of the best offenses in the country uh, from a schematic standpoint and from a, you know, can we scheme the defense open uh, and get our best receivers that you know he's going to get the ball and we still can get him open? I think that's that's genius. That's always the mark of a good coordinator. One uh, one thing I'll like or I'll, I'll throw a couple things out there just like while we're still talking about the Mizzou offense to like maybe look for on Saturday is like the the refreshing thing and I, I've said this I said this multiple times on our show like you know you'd watch the teams like Georgia or Tennessee or Alabama when they're at their best like they make explosive plays happen you know yeah. out of nowhere with their scheme and Missouri hadn't done that until Kirby Moore you know kind of came in and then you know it was it was every game the first quarter they would take a deep shot you know, score um, really early, usually on like a long pass play. So that's something that like we kind of expect now for for in terms of how they start their games. Um, and then the, just the other thing is like with, with this offense, then there's been a nice balance uh, and I'll throw a name out there. You know, Kenny talked about Brady Cook. He hasn't been running as much this year. We've seen the injury stuff, um, but they've had some nice balance on the ground game with Cody Schrader. And he's someone who like can definitely make a huge difference in terms of, you know, if, if that passing attack gets slowed down, Kentucky is a great defense. And if, if, you know, they do their job to slow that passing attack down, it'll be, it'll be up to Schrader to kind of provide that balance. And he's been, he's been electric in a couple of games and just like a huge help um, to sort of create that balance between the deep shots they've been able to, to take now with this receiver core, you know, they're able to hand it off and make the run at least like a, you know, a, a decent threat for, for teams. And that's been, that's been hard to stop. I uh, wanted to circle back just real quick. I know Aaron brought this up just briefly about the defensive backs and the cornerbacks yeah. who's going to step up for Rake Straw. Um, of course, you know, Chris Evans Drain is the name to watch. Uh, yeah. He's he's getting hype from everywhere. He got hype last year as well. Yeah. Um, some other guys that, you know, maybe seeing a little bit more playing time, of course, is Drayden Norwood, who transferred from Texas A&M two years ago. He saw a little bit of action last year as a redshirt freshman. Um, wasn't really um, that active, but he's kind of stepping up more in, in that nickel corner uh, role. Um, another guy that's re really stood out to me is Marcus Clark. Since he's been on campus last year, he was a guy who they didn't have any more scholarships. They said, you know, come here, we'll get you a scholarship next year. He paid his own way, worked his way to the team after playing at Miami, um, late transfer as well. And he worked well into that defense right away. Of course, he knew Blake Baker when Blake Baker was at Miami as a linebackers coach. Another guy to maybe keep an eye on, he he had an interception uh, not a couple weeks ago. I think he had, almost had a second one as well. So he can be a little bit of a sneaky guy in that uh, secondary. Good stuff, good stuff. I got to ask, too, but <clears throat> the name of the podcast, Unwritten Rule, uh, <laughs> when when I saw the follow, at first I was thinking, I was like, it's a baseball podcast. Like, Unwritten <laughs> Rules. Uh, so how did how did that come about? And just in the description, y'all say you, you cover Mizzou with a, a little comedic flair too. So what's the what's the comedy that you do in addition to covering, you know, Mizzou athletics? Um, yeah, I guess I could start this with the name. Um, back in 2020, we were still at the University of Missouri and we had a radio station there called KCOU 88.1 FM. We started a show there. Um, at around that time, Fernando Tatis Jr., got into a, an argument with the Rangers uh, with uh, the bat flip that. he had. Uh -huh. And so we were like, you know, let's talk about the unwritten rules of the sport and kind of break them down. And it kind of just turned into more of a comedic sports show in that um, in that sense. And we kind of ran with it for the next three years at school. Um, we had some basketball players come on. We had the president of the school come on. So we got some success there. Uh, and then now we're with Believe. 
yeah and then and then like yeah the comedic part so like you know we we do we do mizzou mizzou stuff obviously that's the main the main bit of our show and that's that's i think ironically where we'll often take ourselves the most seriously but you know we we try not to take ourselves too seriously we'll like you know crack jokes and stuff and then we we like to talk a lot about like just the national like sports stuff like things going on and we have little segments within our show like um we call them quick hits and you know we'll do like our jersey of the week and that's where we can kind of you know joke and banter but obviously with some of the frustrations that mizzou gives you too you kind of just have to joke to get through it so that's a that's a little bit of the comedic that's been an exception this year i will say um but you know we we just like to keep it light we like to have fun and like um you know be ourselves but that's that's kind of where it comes from. Is that Indeed. the first time I've ever been asked that, Kenny? I don't know if it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is an interesting name, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's the first time anyone's ever asked. Hey, did, we, you, we, did you say president of school came on? Yeah, yeah, yes. uh, yeah. twice, twice. twice. You, said, you said that rather casually, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, it was that was like we. I, I don't think I think I can speak for Kenny and our other host, Pey- like Peyton, when we were on the radio. Like, I don't think we got nervous very much, and for that show all day leading yeah. in, I was like not nervous. Like this is you know, cool, whatever, just, just be cool. And then like 10 minutes before I'm sitting outside the station in the school, like Mizzou's official Twitter tweeted, like everyone listened to the show. We've got uh-huh. president moon coming on. And I was like, Oh, this is, Wait. this is real now. It got real then. So we were like, yeah, that's when we got a little nervous, but yeah, it was, it was very, very cool. And, you know, since, you know, we got the game Saturday and you guys cover Mizzou, Jalen played out there. Aaron's covered games out there in Como. Who better to ask than you guys? But all due respect, y'all got the block M out there in the end zone. Yep. Why is that thing just why is it rocks? Why is it why is it a collection of boulders that make that M? I mean it's not seats, but it's not grass. Why why the rocks? I don't know. No disrespect, but I'm like, yo, maybe I've been asked this before, but I'm like, why they why they got all those rocks out there in the end zone? Jack, you got it. I mean, I, I don't I, know. I honestly find it. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I off the top of my head, I know like so when we're when you're a freshman at Mizzou, you get brought over to the rock and you paint it. That's why it's so like bright, and that's like the you know, one of those freshmen like the school organizes it and you go um i i looked it up uh the traditional block m is carved from was carved from stone by a freshman class in 1927 and so they i guess memorialized that by putting a giant block m in the end zone i know like the mizzou had a couple stadium renovations over the summer and like some of the twitter accounts wanted to just make it like enormous like triple the size of it so that you know you could see it from from space that was like some of the the edits and like photos came up there was was you know people like the block m it's it's you know sitting on the hill is a a unique experience to do um but you know i still kind of i still think i like it better than dabos you know you just run and touch a rock and run down a hill i think it's better than that we at least have like a big our rock makes a shape and it's a bunch of them i don't know um But yeah, we actually we, have a piece of it right here. There you go. Oh, from the, yeah. Got to bring it home one time after a game, <laughs> so I actually have one. Wow. All the media members got to take it after their senior year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's that's like a permanent fixture. Like no matter how many more seats you add, that's not going anywhere. I guess. I doubt it. Oh, no, I think it would, it would, it would, it would never have to take away. a lot. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they'd uh, ever get rid of it. 
If you look at Memorial Stadium in Faroe Field, uh, we can all kind of agree it'd be a great Big 12 stadium. Uh, it's not the best for the SEC. It's not massive like every other um, <laughs> SEC stadium. But coming from uh, the Big 12, it, it, it sure fit, uh, fit that yeah. conference. Yeah, it's uh, it's more so the weather for me that throws me off with the. <laughs> oh yeah, it can get tough. I've never been to like. How would you describe it? Like typical game day at Kroger. I've never been. I have not had the pleasure of going. It's yet. it's gotten a lot better over the years as they've gotten that thing going. I mean, the atmospheres have been this season. They've been incredible, honestly, especially the Florida game. So, um, I think it is going to be on the cooler side this weekend. Usually, it doesn't really. You don't get the cooler games till November, but I think we're supposed to get a little bit of a cold front. I think it's going to be like 48 at kickoff, so uh, it's going to be a little wow. chilly. Could be some rain in the air, so um, it, it is a great match. When, when Kentucky's got the ball rolling and the team's playing well, uh, it gets loud in there. But uh, with that, at the same time, they they got to maintain. Like if they have a drop off, it's not that the fans aren't passionate, but with that cooler weather, with some of the start times that they'll get, um, you know, they won't always it's not a given that it's going to be in that electric atmosphere so yeah. um we'll see what i think saturday's homecoming i know it's a sellout so i'm expecting a pretty pretty loud one and you know they have alabama coming in late in the year that that'll be an electric one even if they were one and eleven that'd be an electric atmosphere so um i, I think i think it's gonna be a good one saturday night Jalen, can I ask, as a former quarterback yourself, do you can you recognize when, like, you know, if you're watching like the NFL or even college games, can you recognize if a QB can't play in the cold? Like, is there a is there a tell or like, I don't know, were you were you a cold weather guy? Like, did it ever? <clears throat> yeah, you you definitely can recognize it. Uh, yeah. at least I can. You know, maybe, you know, just because I used to be a guy who used to hate it, but I had to grow to like it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I finished my college career. Uh, at Eastern Illinois, so you don't have a choice. You have no choice. Yeah, no choice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you you definitely can spot it, you know. And I know when I spot it, you know. I definitely know when I spot it as a coach when I see the other team's quarterback struggle. Yeah, because it's cold, or his hands are cold, or whatever. Uh, you know, it just don't, it don't get that cold down here. But uh, you definitely can spot it. And uh, you know, now, you know, there's there's for me, there were so many little things that I knew. And I had guys like Andre Woodson who used to kind of help me out in those situations. Just he used to give me little tips that just still stick with me to this day uh, that, you know, he played for the New York Giants. So he right. he obviously, uh, you know, had to play in some cold weather, even at Kentucky. So uh, there are things that you can do there. I'm not going to give them here because I don't want everybody to know. <laughs> uh, but it's like legit competitive advantages, you know, just things that most people don't think about that you can do that can right. help you out. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I like playing in the cold. Uh, however, um, you know, with heaters on the sideline and yeah, you can't complain too much. And a lot of times during the game, you really don't feel it unless you're, you know, my, my last year, uh, in, of college, 2015, we had a home game against EKU. The game was going to decide who was going to the playoffs and it was snowing all morning. I mean, snow all day, nonstop. <laughs> um, and we had like a, we had like a two o'clock or three o'clock kickoff and it was, uh, you know, field covered in snow. It was probably 23, 24 degrees or something like that. And I was like, man, this is, uh, you know, this is, <laughs> this is what it's coming down to. <laughs> that's Last, football weather. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's what they call it up there. It ain't football <laughs> weather to me, man. I'm from Alabama. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, now nah, it was, uh, you know, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, you can definitely tell. And uh, there are definitely things that you can do to kind of, you know, 
combat the cold. I mean, a lot of, I mean, y'all probably hear about the stories of people putting on Vaseline and uh, people putting the hot, the uh, little hot packets or what do you call them? The hand yeah. packets, mm-hmm. put them in, you know, people put them in their socks and gloves and cleats. And, you know, I know people who put cayenne pepper in there. I mean, it's just people go wow. over and beyond. Uh, the, the, the Vaseline thing works because it kind of claws your pores where, you know, especially if it's cold and windy, you don't really catch the brunt of it. Um, you know, and they'll put they'll put a rubber glove on, rub Vaseline on and put a sleeve over it. Or they'll put I know people who put rubber gloves on after they put Vaseline on their hands and then put their receiver gloves over their rubber gloves. Oh, um, my gosh, that that, that that's really good. Um but, you know, there's a lot of things that people, you know, people do to kind of combat it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the glove thing. I remember last year walking on the field after the New Mexico uh, Mizzou game last year. And it was like it was sub 10 degrees and there was just rubber gloves everywhere. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what are they doing with <laughs> oh all this stuff? And I, forget, and I realized they were wearing them underneath their gloves, which is their regular gloves. No, it, it, it helps a lot. It helps a lot. I got to ask real quick, too, since. Jalen, you've been through this, and and Kentucky went through it last week. The true road game thing, because Vanderbilt didn't count. We talked about this on your, your guys' show with them. Yeah, it doesn't count. Construction site game. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, yeah, it's different this year. It's always <laughs> been. It's not really a home field, but it's even worse for that right now. So for Kentucky, last week in Athens was their first. True road game because Vanderbilt, you know, it was mostly Kentucky fans there anyway. Missouri's played in St. Louis, you know, neutral site, but in the state. Uh, you played at Vanderbilt, which doesn't count. This will be their first true road game. I'll say it home game, true road game. Jalen, take us through does it change year by year? How does it affect you? Does it really affect you? Because you hear it every time the team plays their first true road game of the season, how will they handle it? How will they respond? How will they react, especially for the younger guys? So that'll be Missouri's first true road game coming up to a sold-out Kroger field, just like it was Kentucky last week. How does that play into, you know, the routine, the whole game day experience, and how did it affect you? Did it affect you? Yeah, it it definitely played a part, uh, you know, and, and not just the obvious crowd noise, but, I mean, just playing. I was a guy who I, I'd rather play away than home. Um, I just enjoy playing away games. But, you know, it, for most people, they, especially quarterbacks, they don't because, you know, the crowd noise and it's just the added um, – I don't know if you want to call it pressure, but it's just the added uh, distractions of every every other little thing. Like your routine is thrown off. I mean, every other little thing that Cadence. you like to do. You're eating different food before the game because a lot of the food is catered from someplace wherever the road game is. So the food may be a little – I mean, every little thing is different. Um, and people don't really think about those things, but a lot of these guys are very, very um, routine in what they do. A lot of coaches are very routine in what they do. So when you're playing a road game starting from the travel to the pregame meal – to the night before, are you typically going? I know when we were at Kentucky, we used to go watch a movie the night before the game over by the mall. Uh, we forgot the name of the theater, but we used to go over there and, and, and do that. Now, do you do that away? You know, a lot of times you do, but sometimes you may go to a place where they may not have a movie theater. 
or the movie theater may be further away, so you got to drive further to go. It's just everything throws off the timing and routine, and coaches try to keep it consistent, but it's hard to do that. Now, game day, uh, you know, you got situations like Vanderbilt used to have an extremely small locker room where I can spread my arms and touch the back of the locker room and the back. Uh. Uh, you know, and it, it was extremely – I mean, you just – every little thing. And then once you get to the game, obviously the crowd noise, communication may have to change, snap count may have to change. i never forget my last year playing college ball, my last game, we were in the playoffs playing Northern Iowa. They, they have a dome. And we were having to change the snap count uh, during the game because we couldn't hear. And they were on, you know yeah. – they were on fall break, so they didn't have everybody at the game. It was still still packed, but it wasn't like it usually is in those type of games. I mean, obviously, playoffs big game, FCS football. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't go on verbal cadence. We had to go on signal. So I had to kick my leg or I was throwing my hand down the guard. I had to look back and tap the center and all of that stuff. So, uh, And I messed it up a couple of times, and we got penalties. We, it was twice where we got penalties because we messed, we messed it up. We screwed the snap count up. And that was caused by a crowd that was just rowdy. You know, they were a good team. They were ranked pretty high, extremely rowdy crowd. And, and, you know, we had two penalties that cost us because the crowd played a part in the game. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a lot, man. It go, it's a lot that goes into it. I mean, you got GAs and, you know, support staff that try to get these big speakers before the game on Thursdays and Wednesdays at practice and, I mean, they're about five yards behind the quarterback at yep. practice, and they're blasting, you know, all these fight songs and, you know, all types of stuff. So you, we got to work on the community. There's, it's just a lot. There's more that goes into it, and it throws off certain things, and it throws off your basic routine a little bit. Uh, so that's why playing role games are so tough, and let alone you're playing a team like Georgia who has NFL talent everywhere, you know, and they have what, you know, however many people in that stadium. Yeah, uh, ninety thousand plus. Yeah, you know, that, so, it was unbelievable. That. Go, <laughs> go, 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 try that, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, George, Georgia's got to go to Vandy this week. You know how will they respond? They <laughs> More like how will Vandy respond? I don't know. <laughs> the, that's, that's, the, uh, the thing yeah. I'll add, at least for the Missouri perspective, too, is and and Kenny, I think, can back me up here. Like with with Drinkwitz, especially. I mean, I, I think every game, you know, kind of first like feels like a first true road game because, you know, historically he has not been successful on the road. And this right. this team in general has had some some mishaps on the road. I don't mean to keep bringing up Vandy, but in 2019, you mm-hmm. know, there was there was all these comparisons because Mizzou started out that season five and one and was ranked and seemed like he'd go on a run. Lost to Vandy on the road season fell apart. Um, and so, yeah, at least, you know, I think the way at least Mizzou fans approach it is with a lot of um, definitely trepidation because, you know, Drinkwitz has not been very good at getting his team, I guess, you know, in, in those routines that maybe, um, you know, that Jalen was alluding to, like it's, it's been a struggle, I think generally um, um, on the road, but. Gotcha. Well, fellas, tell everybody when you record and and where they can find you and what you got coming down the pipe on the next episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so every episode drops, uh, we do Friday and Monday, and then, uh, we usually do a recap that'll come out on Saturday, um, after every game. So you can find us everywhere on believe we're, we're on YouTube as well. So, you know, if you don't want to just listen to us, want to watch us as well. We've, uh, we put out shorts, we're on TikTok, Twitter, 
um believe unwritten is our handle for pretty much everything so we'll definitely have to we'll have to reconvene to come basketball season i know Vinny, we asked you some we got a basketball question in for you but uh that's you know obviously kentucky's kentucky so absolutely appreciate y'all um having me on on the unwritten rule and then y'all taking time to do the home and home thing and and get the preview (laughs) in for both podcasts and uh, are either one of y'all coming to Lexington this weekend or Peyton or? Oh, I wish. No, no, we're not making we'll it to, this year. Yeah, we'll have to be, we'll have to watch it on TV. I do want to get to Lexington though. I think hitting every SEC stadium might be a, a goal down the road. Oh yeah. Damn. Auburn's the best one. That's all I got to say. Oh, is the city of Auburn. Don't get him city of Auburn. Auburn. Amazing. He loves <laughs> bragging about Auburn. I went there last year. I, I can't say anything negative about Auburn. I like Auburn too, man. I like Auburn. Gainesville was cool. Awesome. I'm with you, Kenny. I'm with you. Yeah. And fellas, like you said, we'll we'll do it again. Basketball season. Uh y'all keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate y'all taking the time and uh looking forward to Saturday. And, and we'll see what happens when it does settle Saturday night. Yeah, y'all too. Sounds Take good. care. Thanks, All guys. Right. Thanks. Jack Knowlton, Kenny Van Doren, unwritten rule. Follow him at Believe Unwritten. And fellas, that was it was cool to chop it up with them. Um, real quick, just just on the basketball, man, we had some had pro day. Oh, uh, just gonna, real quick, real quick. Are we gonna let the Stoops comments roll off, or are we oh, hit those real quick? Hit them, hit them real quick. Hit them real quick. Okay, that's right. Because <laughs> I don't need to be. I'll be quick. Because yeah, you want me to just go for it? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I just <laughs> it was to me. The fact it blew up the way it did is just hilarious. I just don't get it. Um, look, the caller, I understood the question, but that stat he brought up is really, I think, it's just it, it, you can't judge him off the way teams finish in SEC play. You play who's in front of you, first of all. I don't think anyone in Louisville right now is talking about the schedule. They're enjoying being 6-0, and right, as they should. They should be celebrating that. So, And, two, you got to factor in you played – some of those teams that didn't necessarily go for, you know, at least win five conference games, still had really good seasons, went to bowl games. Um, a lot of them went four and four in SEC play because they lost to Kentucky. So are you minimizing the loss to Kentucky? Or like, is that really what you're doing? And then you got to take into account some of the Louisville teams he beat. I mean, 2016 was the Lamar team that, you know, had playoff aspirations. So they got their butt whooped uh, down in Houston. Um, they, 2019 Louisville team went to a bowl game and won a bowl game uh, against Mississippi State. Uh, the 20 and that Mississippi State team that beat Kentucky, by the way. Um, 2021 Louisville went to a bowl game. Last year's Louisville went and won a bowl game. Like he's beaten some good teams. And then Penn State had a really good football team that they didn't sit any guys because of the NFL draft. They were all active and they beat them. Iowa, uh, same thing. Pretty good football team. Uh, better offense that year than it was. Uh, this past year and this year. So look, they, he's won a lot of big games. He's gotten over a lot of humps that haven't seen possible at Kentucky. I get fans. I will always side with fans for wanting more. Uh, you shouldn't have an aspiration to lose any football game. You should want to win every football game you play. Uh, but I think there is some context to what he's dealing with with Georgia. I mean, Georgia, obviously the history of that program, the recruiting base they have. Jalen, of course, knows really well living down there, an amazing recruiting base, all the money in the world. And they just needed a coach to go in there 
and kind of just unlocked the door. And Kirby Smart has done that and a hell of a lot more. And you had to deal with that just as you got Kentucky. I mean, think about it. Kentucky started their current uh, seven-year bull streak the year that Kirby Smart took over. By year two, you know, Kentucky wins seven games again in 2017. Kirby's in the national championship game. Like, there's some luck you've got to take into account. Uh, I will say the pony up thing, I get what he was trying to do. He's trying to rally the fan base and say, hey, look, if you want to take that next step, you got to be part of this too. And I get it. I don't think it was the right time. I mean, you just got your ass kicked, and I don't think anyone, any fan wants to hear it. Um, but I didn't, I, I understood what he was trying to do there. So I think it was a lot. I think he said some quiet things out loud. I think he was defending the job that he's done because I, I think it deserves to be defended. And, and when all said and done, if they win on Saturday against Missouri, go into this bye week six and one, no one's going to be talking about that. They're going to be dreaming about beating Tennessee in two weeks. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel the same way, man. Like I said, what he said was the truth. You know, timing questionable. Yeah. Uh, but, but what he said was true. <laughs> it is what 100%. it is. Um, you know, it is what it is. I and Kirby no... Smart basically went and said, yeah, we talked about NIL before the game. <laughs> it's almost yeah. as if he was relaying the message that he talked to Kirby about. Yeah. I, I have no I have no issues with what, what he said, man. It, it is what it is. You try to, you know, you, you, you got to pay for players nowadays. You know, that's what he said. Now, the thing that I, you know, that as a coach kind of, Kind of, you know, sometimes those type of statements can rub your team the wrong way because uh, they're like, you know, they get in their feelings. What are you saying? Are we not good enough? And, you know, but, you know, also those kids aren't stupid. They know that Georgia has more talent from top to bottom. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So I have no issue with what he said. You know, a lot of people were just in their feelings because of what just transpired last Saturday night. However, uh, what he said was a fact. I'm, I'm with you as far as the timing, probably, you know, not good to say it after you lose 51 yeah. Um I'm with you. I heard you say it on Tom Leach. You just said it now. You said the quiet part out loud. I, I believe 100%. that is true as well. Kirby wasn't sweating it um, really. And I'll say that I'll give him credit. He didn't, he didn't say pony up with the same energy as he did bring it on Jason. He got he got a little more fired up he about got, the collar yeah. than he did. So he wasn't because that stat <laughs> Jason used was so stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is true. It that's that is the context, like you said, because some teams would have finished with a winning record had they right. beat Kentucky. I right. saw Justin Rowland reply to Jack Pilgrim with that, and that is true. But like I said in the group, you you beat a Tennessee when they're good, that will shut that up. Uh, you get another opportunity against Alabama. We know they're going to finish with a winning record in the conference. Uh, yeah. Mississippi State and South Carolina, I don't know if they will finish wow. with a winning record in the conference. We'll see what Missouri does as, as well. As an so, SEC West Road game, and that's your last chance to do it, right? So Yeah, so so you you that stat is misleading, but you want to kind of take that next step and, and beat a team that's – you know it's gonna it'll it'll quiet all this down. Just like beating Missouri will quiet all this down. Yeah. Beating, beating Tennessee when they're good, if they go five and three or six and two, that'll quiet a lot of this down too. Because you're you you beat Tennessee a couple of times, and thank goodness 
<laughs> but you know, 2017, they went 0 and 8 under Bush Jones. Yeah, they, they, were didn't, they didn't win a conference game. 2020, you went down there, Jeremy Pruitt. It's a dumpster fire. So they've right. been they've been trash a couple of times. You've beaten them. So right. you step up and beat a a Tennessee, or you know, you shock the world in Alabama and have 1997 all over again. That'll that'll hush up a lot of this stuff too. Uh, so that's yeah. But yeah, yeah the, but I think it took it took off so much because he said about Georgia, who is the team. Right. Of teams in the country right now, they're yeah. the champs. You just and, lost to them by forty, right. and you're saying they're buying players, so they just kind right. of. And I think, thing. I think that would have been like if he just said that, then yeah, we're talking, we're having a different conversation and saying what he said was wrong. But he spent the whole first part of the show giving Georgia every compliment in the book, you know, saying that there's Georgia and every. Literally, he said Georgia's number one, and everyone else is way down here. Like he was giving them a ton of compliments today. He talked about, you know, trying to pass Georgia's like climbing Mount Everest. I mean, he's been extremely, if, if he weren't complimentary, Georgia and was just like, yeah, they bought their players. Then you're, you sound like a baby. Like that's mm-hmm. the facts. But the fact that he, the, I just think that whole clip, which is always going to happen with social media, I get it, was taken out of context. And, you know, I'll, I'll defend him on that one. I think, you know, and then I see people comparing it to the basketball thing. And I'm like, one, expectations are so much different between the two programs. It is what it is. If Kentucky basketball, you know, didn't have the history, didn't have the success it had under, you know, coach Rob, coach Hall, coach Patino, we'd be having the same, we'd be giving them praise for winning one tournament game the last three years, but that's not the standard they want. And that's not the standard the fans are ever going to have. And then, you know, with the Cal comments, people are like, well, Cal said the same thing. No, the problem with Cal's comments, I don't even think it was the fact he said we're a basketball school. I don't even think, in my opinion, it was that big of a deal. He he brought up Alabama and Georgia. The big deal is he went on and said, I hope the football team wins 10 games, and that comes off as being under – it just comes off as demeaning what the yeah. success that they've had. So I've seen a lot of that out there, and I just think this whole thing is people, when you lose, are looking for reasons to be upset, and this was – Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the whole thing, you know, getting back to the locker room, and look, Devin, you were in there, not us, but – as far as you know, are they gonna be like, oh, he's he's trying to get better players than us? Well, like you said, they know Georgia has better players. And to me, I don't think it's gonna resonate or, or make waves in the locker room mm-hmm. because he he straight up tells you he's trying to recruit guys to take your job. Exactly. So that <laughs> exactly. you already know exactly <laughs> if you ain't on your stuff, then you're gonna get passed by. So that to me, yep. I saw some people say, "Well, it's a locker room." Oh, no, not I, I mean, he kind of straight up with them about that, and, and they know that going in. Look, you brought in to take somebody's job. Somebody else is coming in to try to take yours. So that's he just said it about yeah. Jeremy Flax last week on this his show, yeah. saying that I went and got Jeremy's replacement, but Jeremy played so damn well and was motivated by it that he's our starter now. So yeah, yeah. So that's that's not going to cause a problem in the. Amongst the guys, in my opinion, Jalen. Yeah, like you said, he, you know, I can see how it can. Mm-hmm. I can see how it can with some guys that are in their feelings, but the majority of them, uh, like you said, they they all know that they're trying. You know, the coaches are trying to out recruit their talent level. Yeah, you know that that never stops. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's just the truth. You know. Um, they're trying to outdraft the talent level. 
at the next level. I mean, they, it's just what it is. They're trying to out hire the next group of talent at somebody's corporate job. I mean, everything, you know, those kids are the age where they should know that. Like I said, you always have those that are in their feelings, though, uh, that, you know, and you know they what? May take, they may take that message the wrong way, and yeah. you know, bring that up when they decide to transfer a coach. Exactly. You know, they, yeah. Exactly. So. If they're butthurt about it, get in the portal. You have that yeah. opportunity now. And I, I don't think anyone. I don't think Deion Walker is going to be offended by it. I don't think any of the big names who know no. are really good and know they're no. going to be on the. Yeah. It's yeah, just Deion, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Trevor Wallace, Deion Walker, they'll probably. They ain't worried about it. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, real quick, user pro day. Yeah. Uh, so, a dude rolled an ankle. Yep, and he he never came back even to sit on the bench, so that was a little concerning. And then Ooh. there was the quote from John Calipari on SportsCenter about, you know, that Aaron Bradshaw and uh, Uganda and Yenza were five to six weeks going to be out. And so Mike, we'll hopefully get get some more context on this when we get to media day and, and whatever. But my question and follow up to that, we didn't get a chance to talk to him today, obviously. But um, is does that mean five to six weeks from right now they're back playing games? Does it mean five to six weeks from now they're back at practice? Or does that mean five to six weeks from the start of the season? Like there's a lot to kind of be uncovered. So I would say this, if it's five to six weeks from right now, they're going to be playing basketball games. That's as often, that's about what we kind of thought, right? They might miss the first couple weeks of the season. Probably the one big game they're going to miss is that KU game uh, on the champions classic. And then maybe like they're back against Miami at the end of the month. But if it's five to six weeks from now, they start practicing. Then you're talking about, okay, middle of December, and then if it's five to six weeks from the start of the season, then it's conference play. So there, uh, it's hard to, I can't, like, if I'm a Kentucky fan, it's like, well, what does that mean uh, is my my takeaway with that. But then the pro day itself, um, <laughs> I don't want to demean it because it was a great opportunity for those guys, especially with all the scouts there. It was cool seeing uh, Tayshawn Prince was there. He's obviously working for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Darius Miller was there, so a couple ex-cats. But they didn't do any of the measurement or combine stuff this year. It was kind of just scrimmaging, which is good for like to get an idea of kind of maybe what they're going to look like, what they're going to try to do offensively. Um, but it, it didn't – you know, it wasn't like – where you get to see the crazy athleticism on display and all that fun stuff. So, you know, obviously I appreciate this, them uh, letting us watch and giving us access to that, but it was hard to really learn much from it. I think the only thing, um, the only two things I could say were impressive uh, were uh, Jordan Burks. I thought looked really good um, for a three-star guy that maybe isn't expect that much of a role, but if those injuries present itself, they might need him. So I was impressed with how he played. Uh, Robert Dillingham put on a lot of weight and looks a lot stronger. So that was really cool. And uh, other than that, it kind of, there wasn't much anything else that we didn't know. Antonio Reeves can still hit threes. Uh, DJ Wagner's a damn good point guard. is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So um, good stuff. Big Blue Madness Friday. Blue White game is. I will not be at that. I'll be at that. It's traveling. It's going to be in Northern Kentucky now. It was at. Pikeville. Pikeville last year, so they're taking it around the state, which is cool. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, me too. Um, that's so good. I think that covers everything. Yeah. Uh, women's, soccer, see- women's soccer is rolling. Congrats to them. They're yeah, they've had, had a good year. season. And, uh, what'd you say, Jay? No, I said I just happened to come across the, the old Nerlens Noel uh, 
crossing your boy uh uh what's his name <laughs> what's his name uh oh my gosh what's the what's the guy what's the uh, kid stone cold willow cross <laughs> across the stone cold <laughs> and, and duck Oh man! And, uh, that was blue awesome. court. I saw blue that. Court. And, and the, yeah, the they camp, need to do that. To, yeah, do the I, you know, <laughs> you know, Big Blue Madness has kind of been, if we're going to call it as it is, it's kind of been down the last couple of years. It's just the same thing, and you know, it, I, I mean, obviously, it's a big night. Whatever, I get it. But they need to do something to spice that thing up. I, I don't know if they have anything in store for Friday. I'm not going to be there personally, but um, whether it's an outdoor event like that cookout thing, that was so cool. Whether they do it one year at Rupper, uh, excuse me, at Kroger Field, if that's doable. I know some teams, some teams do stuff like that. I just think it would be really cool uh, to spice it up because after a while, when you do the same things, you're not getting the you know the musical performances like you or not performances uh, appearances. Drake, um, you know it. It kind of just is like eh, like it loses its luster a little bit. Uh, I'd love to see them spice things up and uh, do something like that. That is a that's a classic right there. I saw that video trending as well. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> super classic. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But well, we shall see. Uh, we're rolling on. Hopefully, we'll be back talking about Kentucky six and one, taking care of Missouri. Uh, appreciate yeah. all y'all's knowledge, AG's coverage, Jalen's knowledge, personal experience. Appreciate the. Unwritten rule cats for hopping on talking some Mizzou, uh, Jack and Kenny. So, yep. y'all check it out. We got the streaming, we got the audio, got to see a blue that puts it up on their site. We appreciate all that. And y'all go and subscribe too, get the little five stars, and get that, that kind of stuff helps out. So, we appreciate it if y'all take a second and subscribe to the podcast there on Apple Podcast or on YouTube. People subscribing, so appreciate all that. and for Jalen Whitlow and Aaron Gershon, my name is Vinny Hardy. We'll be back next week with another episode, another fresh episode of Believe in Kentucky. We'll see everybody then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.